What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton. Get the show out there. Share this wherever you found it, whether it's Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, you're going to find our show. Another thing I'd love to remind you of, it's our podcast host, Potty, and it's offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium services and 25% off the first three months of that premium membership. All you got to do is sign up using the offer code Longhorn. Now, Kyle and I talk about this every week, how easy it is to get started. All you do is edit, upload, and they take care of the rest. They have to handle all the analytics, everything that you need to run a successful podcast. So again, if you want to try to start your own podcast, I'd recommend it. It's great. You can get a 14-day free trial of the premium services over at Podient. That's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O. If you sign up using the offer code Longhorn, you'll get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's rocking a Houston t-shirt, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's uh, it's actually a bit chilly here in Houston, which means that uh, what actually ends up happening is my heater is turned up to about 85 degrees, uh, so not by my choice. So yeah, I go I go summer in the winter. So I'm uh, I'm enjoying this right now. But I uh, I will be in the the temperate climes of New Orleans in a few short days. To uh, we'll be there Saturday to watch this next game. But I was in Austin this week uh, to watch a pretty astounding game of football and uh, have some good times as well for uh, celebrating the. The bachelor party and final days, single days of of uh, one of my best friends from college. Um, so I'm I'm great, Gerald. I'm I'm living uh, living well. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing okay. We are in the uh, last week before my wife and I take a week off and head down to uh, San Antonio, hang out with my folks for the Christmas holiday. We're having our wood floors redone while we're gone, so we're also moving nice. everything out of our home over the next seven days. It's actually oh yikes. gonna be incredible. It's, it's going to be super exciting. No, uh, but good things are happening. There's some Texas football we're going to talk about. They came out Saturday with a win. So we'll talk a bit about that. We'll preview Iowa State and senior night. Basketball is finally picking up. And then we'll close the show out like we always do with some bang the drum. So to quote Tom Herman, they really know how to make these ones interesting. Uh, so <laughs> Texas was up 17 points. With uh, about, what, 10 minutes left to go in in the game? They managed to give up 17 unanswered points in a 4-minute and 38-second span, including an onside kick that bounced off of P.J. Locke's chest. And um, Texas Tech found a way to score it. Now, uh, because he would not be denied, Sam Ellinger essentially willed the team to victory using his favorite target, little Jordan Humphrey and Texas managed to score a touchdown with seconds left on the clock coming out with a 41 to 34 win. So Kyle, let's, let's just do it. Let's start with the defensive. Um, I don't have any podcast appropriate words to describe what that defensive performance felt like. So what, what the heck happened? Like what, what happened? I'm going to work my way in reverse here. I am so glad that that game didn't go to overtime. Uh, I don't know if we had enough bodies to fill out a defensive backfield by the end of that game. Um, it it was kind of wild. I was sitting there with a buddy who's got a pretty, uh, we've, we've mentioned him on the show, Eric Verbe, but a pretty robust knowledge of the, of the roster. And he caught a couple people in there in our sixth defensive back role that uh, I didn't even notice, you know, um, early on in the game, we had Chris Brown in there. We had um, the other DuVernay uh, playing a bit in there, which, you know. First action of the year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think of his career, uh, I believe. He's, he's been, maybe some special teams, but uh, on the actual defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you if you were on the team and you were a defensive back, you probably saw some plays, um, you know, in, in if you made it all the way through to the end, good good on you but um yeah it was it was it was pretty tough um tech's not a, a team that's that's easy to have that happen to because they're going to exploit and work the ball around and go quickly and and you know move it around and they can throw deep they can throw short um 
if you're playing, you know, sliding out of position and playing something that you don't practice in, like it's going to hurt. They're going to take advantage of that. But I, I mean, that's the caveat that I'll give, but I still don't think, <laughs> I still don't think it's acceptable if you wear the Texas across the front. I don't care what's on the back of the Jersey. I don't think it's acceptable to give up. Um, you know, it's not like that was their starting quarterback. Uh, uh, Jet Duffy had, you know, 440 yards and only 10 incompletions. He did one of those being an interception uh, and should have been another one for Stearns. Um, but I mean, he had, he had 440 yards and another 80 rushing. They do that 500 yards on us. Again, that's, that's their backup quarterback. Now, now I know Tech's offense can be plug and play. Third string quarterback. Third string quarterback. Correct. Correct. You are absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, and I know they can be plug and play at the quarterback, but are you are you worried? We'll get to the offense. Are you worried at all about this accumulation of injuries, kind of heading into the uh, the final piece of the season here, and, and with a with a you know big matchup looming on the horizon? But to to kind of speak within this game, we saw that the injuries led to more and more yards with that kind of seventeen point uh, lead just slipping into thin air. Does that worry you? I mean, it's it's impossible for it to not worry me. I think the last three games have been exacerbated by the fact that uh, the offenses that Texas has played are some of the best in the country, uh, which it's hard to have that and be missing major components, major pieces. Uh, so, yeah, it's impossible for it to not worry me. But if they looked good before the injuries, I'd be you know less worried because guys can get healthy and their you know timelines are looking good. But, I mean, they got torched, not just against Tech, but against West Virginia and against Oklahoma State. So there's something schematically going on. I'm not sure what's happening. You, No matter how injured you are, I was rarely able to put up 524 total yards in a game of NCAA 14. Sure. Like, so it's just hard. And I mean, the fact that they were able to force Duffy into three turnovers and the guy still... Mm-hmm. put up massive numbers is just frustrating to to no end yeah and I mean thank god for those turnovers right I mean that's to me the, the difference of the game if they don't have those and and, and you know it was kind of interesting to see the guys who, who made both of those plays and both were fantastic plays um they were your senior cornerbacks they were guys who um you know needed to make those plays uh they made big plays and big moments and, and literally just stole, stole the dude's cookies. Um, welcome to the big 12. We play Got defense here. Snatched. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know what you heard, but we play a little defense here in the big 12. Um, check, check your neck. So they, they, it was fantastic. Those plays. Um, but I, I don't know that on the balance, I don't know that I want to live on that razor. Um, it was my posture pick that we would have two turnovers. I think they did me one better. I believe there was three total, um, turnovers from from tech so i mean as long as offense isn't turning the ball over and defense is getting those then then we'll keep finding ways to win but there's there's an easier route (laughs) to do that yeah and it's it's tough for me to really be confident when once again the opponent's best receiver got off and we're going into a game that features Hakeem Butler. So, mm-hmm. I mean, three weeks in a row, the opponent's best receiver had a career game, you know. And really, not even the best. The second best guy, because TJ Vasher is probably Tech's best receiver. And Antoine Wesley almost dropped another 200 on Texas. <sighs> like, 171 yards and two scores. Like, that's, again, granted, some of that came at the end of the game when Texas was banged up. And there were some gaps in the secondary. Sure. There were some weird situations where Charles Amenehu jumped off sides. And so Duffy was like, screw it. I'm just going to toss it up. And he came down with it. He shouldn't happen. But it's just, it's the inconsistency is the only thing I can really like put my finger on as far as like, this is, this is the thing that worries me. Now, granted, we'll talk more about this. Iowa State's got some interesting things happening on offense, but I, I need them to be able to lock it down. Uh, at least for for one game, if they can come out with a win against Iowa State and hopefully against Kansas, they've got a legit shot of getting a a rematch against West Virginia in the conference championship game. That's right. I mean, it's it's in their own well, not fully in their own hands, but the, this is a huge huge thing they have coming up on the schedule and and the defense. Um, you know, they're going to see some talent. Uh, I think Antoine Wesley is a guy at the beginning of the season we didn't 
talk about uh, J.D. on high as a guy I didn't even like have on my radar. He had eight catches for 84 yards. The crazy thing, just not to keep harping on it, but they had 239 passing yards in the fourth quarter. Like You talk about that slope. Like That's another reason I, I, I couldn't uh, stomach going to, to overtime. I mean, they just... Their, their offense was was unstoppable it was i i don't know that i've seen a college team not a not a high school team or a peewee team get drawn off sides by a hard count more times like fool me once shame on you fool me twice fool me three fool me six times shame on me you know at some point like what's going on you know shame i don't like coaches yeah <laughs> i don't care if you know it's your best defensive lineman if it's if it's the same guy, and I'm not insane to anyone here, but if it's the same guy or or a couple of guys, you yank them, you know, like hey, get your head in the game, like stop stop doing this. I mean, hey, maybe maybe there was something different. Maybe they were jumping snaps, and that's what led to four sacks. Because that's that's not a bad thing. I don't mind four sacks. I mean, they throw the ball sixty times, fifty times, drop back. <laughs> you're probably going to get a couple, but you know, nonetheless, I, I I don't mind four sacks. We did not get anywhere near that on on Will Greer. So I mean, maybe that's that's a give and take, but I just think some of those things can easily, you know, we, we got lucky. I'll say that they could have easily gone the other way. Another way we got lucky is that Sam Ellinger hit my Potsdradamus prediction um, and decided he was not going to lose this game. He was not going to lose three in a row. He was not going to let this team uh, choke away a shot at a big 12 championship. So he, again, that last second touchdown um, put him over 300 yards. My Potsdamus prediction back-to-back three hundo games. Four touchdowns, which is a career high for him. And the offense continues to just hum, and it hums because Sam Ellinger hums. He's now set the conference record for consecutive attempts without an interception and will hopefully continue that through this weekend. Uh, hit Lil' Jordan Humphrey for 29 yards right at the end of the game, 20 seconds, 21 seconds excuse me, left on the clock, which I just love seeing that. Uh, and, and man, how good can Sam Ellinger be? I think is the question that we have to ask at this point. Like how good can Sam Ellinger be? And if he does hit that potential, how good can Texas be for the next two years? Yeah. I mean, again, say Will Greer doesn't get the two point conversion. You have fourth down game winning, you know, drives in Oklahoma against Tech in West Virginia for, for Ellinger. Every time he's got the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter, he's doing what he needs. Um, you know, if the defense, he obviously didn't really have a chance in Oklahoma. It was a Hail Mary type situation where he got there, but um, or Oklahoma State, that is. But, uh, um, you know, he is playing full games. You know, we, we talked earlier in the season and many times that this team hasn't been able to put four quarters together. And I think if you do a combined holistic offense, defense, that's still the case. But Sam Ellinger's playing first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth. You know, he, he is he is rising to all occasions. Um, I mean, I, I think it helps that you, you have a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey. But again, let's remember, Sam had 300 yards, four touchdowns, and no Colin Johnson. You could easily, you know, call him a, one of the top 20 receivers in the country. I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback on that. And he's missing, right? That's that puts some pressure on, on Humphrey. Um, and I think he rose, he also rose to that occasion. But I mean, the, the nice thing was, was he looked at some guys who, you know, you haven't really seen get a lot of looks. And, and what that tells me is that's, that's, that's good on you quarterback, right? Hurd had six catches in this game, which I was just elated to see. Uh, DuVernay had yep. two touchdown catches, four total catches, but you saw guys like uh, Epps, you know, uh, a guy who I didn't, you know, think had seen the field this year and I'm still not sure besides that he hasn't first appearance yeah I mean so fantastic for Epps way to way to announce yourself but also a thousand one play one catch yeah for 18 yards you know first down that's fantastic uh but you know for for Sam to look out there and see that and say yeah I can make this throw that guy will get it I'll put it right in his right in his numbers that's that's the sign of a really really good quarterback um I don't know how we can overstate that. And, and, and you know, we kind of joked earlier in the season, but I, he really is playing that well right now. I mean, uh, this wasn't against a Heisman caliber quarterback, but, you know, he went out and bested Kyler. He did it against Will Greer. He is he has faced some of the, the best toe-to-toe and, and, and looked like, you know, he, he deserved to be at least in that company. Um, I think it would be a little disingenuous to give full credit to the passing game because I think – what Texas did fantastically well and 
just for the record, my Padres they won the time of possession. That was my my second half of my pick. But uh, what they did, you, fan- did you have a specific number on that though? I feel like you did. I did say that it, they would be more than five minutes. They would win by more than okay. five minutes. Um, okay, just had to check. Just had to check. <laughs> no, no, no. I appreciate you keeping me honest here. This is uh, this is real news, not like Crystal Conte getting ejected. This is not uh, not the fake <laughs> stuff here. Um, but no, I mean they 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 had a really balanced attack from both of the running backs. Um, with obviously Keontae Ingram looking healthy, getting 14 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown, and then Trey Watson, the the kind of workhorse of this offense right now, getting 18 carries, uh, almost 60 yards, um, just doing some of the hard work. Um, again, not what we probably thought when we got him coming from Cal was that he was going to be a guy who put his head down and just grind those legs and churn for first downs. And I love it. I love to see uh, what what he's kind of becoming. Um, I believe both of them had catches as well um, out of the backfield. So, I mean, just, just again, a well-balanced offense is the strength of this Texas team. <laughs> it, 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 I cannot stop emphasizing how baffling that is based on where we were three months ago, two months ago. I think them feeling more comfortable feeding Keontae Ingram and feeding Trey Watson. I think Trey Watson has really figured out his role in this uh, in this offense. And he has done, especially the last probably two or three weeks, an incredible job of just sticking his nose in there and getting every inch the defense is giving him. And it really sets the tone. You can see the energy of the rest of the team when he, the little guy, he's not a big running back. He's, he is not going to, he's not your power back. He is 5'11", 195. He looks like he's 5'8", 155. Uh, He's just not a big dude, um, but he's willing to put his nose in there and willing to push as hard as he can. And, And the offense feeds on it. And and Ingram did what Ingram does and found creases in the defense and uh, kind of hit every yard he could. Nearly had six yards to carry again, 5.9. I'm a little salty that he didn't quite get over that hump. Uh, that one that one yard he lost really hurts. That's <laughs> uh, why he didn't hit that average. But just seeing the offense find that balance and seeing Ellinger spread the ball around. I mean, he had seven different guys with a catch. Now, granted, the high concentration was Lil Jordan and Gerard Hurd, really. You know, Devin, 50% of his catches were touchdown passes. Um, I but hate that. No, not at all. So, it's just good to see the offense. Um, again, we sit, talked about it last week when we talked about the fire Todd Orlando talk. 12 months ago, that was specifically on Tim Beck. And so, seeing this offense turn it around has been impressive. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is... Uh, congratulations, little Jordan Humphrey was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. Um, deserved, obviously. Um, what he did on the field was incredible. What he did, off, like I guess, off the field or at the end of the game uh, with that catch in that corner, you know, you have obviously said on this podcast many times you were there. You, you were on the sideline. You watched it. I remember exactly where I was when I watched it. I happened to be with the same group of guys at this bachelor party who were all in the same house watching it that weekend for <laughs> our parents' weekend when everyone was there. So it kind of was a little bit of exercising those demons. But after the game, they, they told him, they said, did you know that was the, the Crabtree corner? And he said, that's the that's the little Jordan corner now, which is such uh, the swag. Like, I love this guy so much. We missed the opportunity to call it the little corner. Ooh, yeah. Yes, it's absolutely. it's it's now the little corner forever. Little corner Humphreys. Yes, I. Uh... It's it's ten years. It's ten years. Somebody put on Twitter that Michael has to have another son and name him Little Humphrey Jordan, and I think it's just incredible. Uh, <laughs> so, coming off of this win, uh, Texas now again continues to hold its own destiny in the Big Twelve, uh, at least as far as what it needs to do. Now, a couple of chips do need to fall the right direction, but uh, they're hosting Iowa State, who has won five consecutive games basically on the arm of freshman phenom out of left field Brock Purdy who's completing nearly 69% 68.6% of his passes 1300 yards 13 touchdowns two interceptions uh the offense is is good not great I mean Purdy's good David Montgomery's good but they're really only averaging about 27 points per play they're hitting 5.8 yards per pass though which is really impressive uh so Kyle looking forward to Iowa State what do you have your eyes on uh as far as Texas's kind of keys to victory and then at the end we'll do our Podstronomus picks 
Well, I mean, this is an Iowa State team that's that's playing the best football they, they played all season. Obviously, they lost their opening two games, or this would be a whole different conversation. They lost to Iowa and to Oklahoma. Um, they also lost to TCU, which seems inexplicable now. Um, but they are on the back of a five-game win streak. They beat Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas Baylor. Um, but th- that three three game stretch, you know, we we couldn't do that. We didn't. We had the same three game stretch in a slightly different order um, of Oklahoma State, West Virginia Tech, or no, the same order uh, actually. Um, and uh, you know, they won those by six, by sixteen, and and by nine. So not huge blowout wins, but they did enough. And as a team in Texas who has basically won all our games by doing just enough, um, this could end up being pretty much a deadlock. And so one thing that I look at, and we can get into the meat and potatoes, but one thing that I look at um, is the special teams is going to need to be perfect. Um, We had a, a, you know, Buczewski came out and averaged 43 in this last game, and Dicker was actually the Big 12 special teams player of the week, hit two field goals, one from 52 yards, um, I think into the wind up in in Lubbock, which was was stiff. Um, And so I think think if it's going to be a close game, I love that we have a freshman kicker who I feel confident in, but we have seen, you know, both sides of that coin. For the most part, he's been incredible. But, you know, if we're going to live on these razor-thin margins, we need to not miss any punts. We need to cover the punts. We need to hit the field goals. We need to go out and do the things that that we, uh, you know, know we can do well and make sure that we execute on all three fronts. Now, I don't mean to say that offense and defense aren't obviously the bigger things. I just feel like we don't talk a ton about it like we did when we had the best special teams player in the country, maybe ever, uh, last year in cool. Dixon. But I do think it's still, I could see this being one of the critical parts of the football game this Saturday. That was also one of our only happy thoughts last year, Kyle. You do have to take that into account <laughs> as well. That's <laughs> but a yeah, point. I think special teams always, I mean, you saw there were a couple impact plays on special teams this weekend. So absolutely. I think my, my two biggest question marks, one is what does the Iowa State offense look like without David Montgomery, who is probably going to be one of, if not the first running back off the NFL draft boards this this year. Right. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they look like. He's going to be gone for the first half of the game after. Um, I don't blame him for what happened, but he got in a little altercation with a Baylor player who delivered the weakest jump punch around a referee that I've ever seen in my entire life, which whatever. But Montgomery's the workhorse of that offense. Like he is the reason why they're able to be balanced. And so um, yeah. seeing what that offense looks like in the first half, seeing if he can get going in the second half after missing the first full half of the game. And really if Texas can outpace you know, Iowa State and build, you know, a 28-40 point lead in the first half, <laughs> then we don't have to worry about giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter because you got a 40-point cushion. Uh, but really, on, on a serious note, the thing that I'm looking for, and here it comes, Podstradamus prediction. So, Iowa State is only converting on about 38% of their third downs this year. So, they're only converting on 38% of their third downs. Texas, over the last three weeks, has given up right around 60% of the third down conversions. So my Podstradamus prediction for this week is that Texas is going to hold Iowa state to 45% on third down. So right under 50%. And if they can do that, if they can get off the field and let their offense chew the clock and shorten the game and really put up points as often as they get their hands on it, I think Texas comes out with a win. Okay. I am going to go with maybe my spiciest, my spiciest Podstradomic pick Uh-oh. to date. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's getting a little winter. It's getting a little chilly here. You need a little uh, cozy up with a with a uh, hot cocoa. Maybe you throw a little little Bailey's, get a little spice. You know, burn that burns going down, warms you right up. So here it comes. A little bit of fire for y'all on this Podstradomic pick. My. My pick is that Hakeem Butler, he of um, internet highlight video fame, made some of the craziest catches over the past two years in college football. In fact, he won the, uh, I believe, the Chick-fil-A Player of the Week or Play of the Week, one or the other, last week, two weeks ago. And, uh, free his, nuggets it, for life. Yeah, it, well, yeah, and his response was, what, do I get free nuggets for life now or what? Which is perfect. <laughs> like, how do you not love this guy? But this week, I do not. This week... 
My hot Padstradamus pick is that one of the two Texas seniors is going to be in his pocket, is going to be, you know, step for step, is going to be tracking him, holding him down. And Akeem Butler, who, you know, has 800-plus yards this season, will have less than 100 yards receiving against the Texas Longhorns. And again, I'm saying that in full confidence and understanding that UT gave up like 170 to another big tall guy named Antoine Wesley last week, who is nowhere near the the receiver. No 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 shade to Mr. Wesley that Hakeem is, but I think that uh, there's numbers next to names. Tom Herman is getting his guys up because they know the troops are wounded. That the seniors are going to step up, the safeties are going to help, that they are going to, especially the first half when he's the main weapon on the field, they are going to take that away from pretty Mr. Purdy and under 100 yards. Heard it here first. That is, you you undersold, I think, how hot that take is because (laughs) Texas has given up. If you highlight the last three teams' top receivers, Texas has given up, I think, approximately 1.6 million yards to those three guys. <laughs> um, so that is that is beyond hot. That is that is even beyond spicy. That is, woo. This is the week. I don't. That, that is that is Kyle's Pompeii Podstradamus pick of the week <laughs> or something. Um, to to kind of rain on your Podstradamus parade. That defense is a little beat up. This is something to watch for this week. Devontae Davis uh, has a bone bruise on his knee and an ankle strain. They're being rather aggressive with his timeline on the return. Herman expects him to play. They're trying to push him to play. Uh, Brandon Jones has been running well in a straight line. He's going to move on to cutting on Wednesday. Caden Stearns, a concussion protocol, uh, non-contact on Tuesday, was lifting weights on Monday. Uh, Barring any setbacks, hopefully he'll be able to play on Saturday. Uh, Josh Thompson, however, is regressing. His ankle is swelling a bit more. So if they had to go right now, he wouldn't play. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Colin Johnson still has some swelling. He's getting He got an injection on Monday. Uh, hopefully the swelling is down because if you've got both of those guys, it's woo. And then Keontae Ingram in one of the cheapest of cheap shots that I've ever seen. Texas Tech player leads with the crown of their helmet, hits him right on his left hip. Herman does not address it and just says he that he aggravated his hip pointer. He's expected to be back Tuesday or Wednesday, so we'll see uh, what Keontae Ingram brings to the table for Texas, if he can even come to the table this weekend. Uh, and, and sorry, you just got me fired up a little bit on that. The, there were There were so many ridiculous calls targeting wise. I mean, there was what three overturn. Um, and, and not to mention there was an offensive targeting that absolutely was not called on the Stearns. Um, I, I, that's not, not something that gets called all the time, but you do see it when a player clearly like, I mean, he led with his helmet. That's how Stearns got concussed. Um, you know, put his crown straight into him. Um, I mean that the Keontae Ingram hit, there was some, there was some, (laughs) some hits that, uh, you imagine Herman, the way you saw that fire during the Oklahoma State game, you imagine he had to learn from that and have a restrainer hold him back uh, because it would have been hard for me as the head coach to watch guys do that um, and not uh, not want to go out there and, and defend your dude. So, um, yeah, targeting will continue to be a weird thing that uh, no one knows how it's actually applied. So Big 12 implications in this weekend because there are uh, 60% of the teams in the conference are still alive for a conference championship, which is just weird. Yeah, because there's 10 teams and uh, 60% are eliminated. 60% 60% are eliminated, 40% yeah. still alive. So four of 10, I can't do math. Journalism majors, uh, <laughs> Kyle had his math faux pas last week. I'll have mine this week. Right. Uh, so Texas needs to win out. That's that's what Texas needs to do. And then this weekend, we're all Oklahoma State fans. <laughs> yeah. We are it, all Oklahoma State fans this weekend. And, and we were last weekend, too, because, I mean, just that Bedlam was a great game, but I would have loved to see them. One thing, I wish they would have run that play uh, for their two-point conversion, uh, or, or Holgerson calls that that play um, instead of the any of the perfect three he called because that was that was a garbage garbage call with a one receiver set out of the backfield. But um, well, 
he had him beat. He had him beat, and and Corn Dog put it behind him. Hey, he sure did. I've heard it described as anything from great defense, great throw, terrible throw, awful defense, bad play call, whatever. I just when I looked at it, I'm like, why do you run a single? Yeah, he did beat him, but a single like receiver, one option, no no play action out of that. Anyways, um, whatever it was, uh, you know, it could have been an Oklahoma loss right there. But the way it shakes out, basically for us, say you know whoever wins Texas ISU, you know keeps their hopes alive, but we have opposite rooting interests. Ultimately, they're rooting for OU to uh, to win out. They get the tiebreaker over OU. Um, we're rooting, obviously, for West Virginia to win out and beat. That means beating OU or for both of those teams to uh, to, to lose, like you said, um, at some point in their, their this this week or obviously next week when they play each other. So there's, there's just a couple games left, but there's still a lot of scenarios left on the table. Yeah, it's interesting, but... I've seen it projected that you know, three out of every four, I think there's like eight different scenarios that could happen. And basically six of the eight, Texas has a shot at the conference championship. But before we move on, we do want to talk about this week's sponsor, my bookie. Now, Sure, watching football is fun, Kyle, and I love to do it, not just when Texas is on, but sometimes it's more entertaining when you have a little bit of action on the line. Now, we've talked about it for the last three weeks, and some of you are still on the sideline. Now, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of person that wants to bet a little, win a lot, like playing the numbers, uh, you can create a big parlay. Just pick three teams, and if you hit all three, you can turn 100 into six like that. There's so much going on right now. You've got college basketball football, NBA, um, NHL. You've got eSports that you can bet on, prop bets they've got going on, all sorts of stuff. And my bookie is going to be the one bet you're going to be happy with all year. You can trust them because they've been in business for years and they've got great online reviews. Their mobile site is really easy to use. Make sure you follow them at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. Not not on top of that, they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll also be the first to know as soon as new props are posted and new odds are up. Sign up this week and my bookie is going to give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Don't miss out on one of the best bets in sports this year log on to my bookie right now and use the promo code longhorn you get a 50 percent deposit bonus that's promo code longhorn you play you win you get paid basketball is in full swing now we just mentioned it and the men and the women of the texas longhorns are starting off with a roll. So the Texas men's basketball team has started the season three and O uh, they opened it up with a 71 to 59 win over the Eastern Illinois Panthers. As we discussed last week, and then a tight win over Arkansas in the armed forces classic Monday night. They took on ULM. They struggled in the first half or getting bullied somehow down low because they don't have six inches on every player on the ULM roster, but they put it away late, come, came away with a 65 to 55 win. Snoop Roach, leading scorer, 13.6 assists for boards. Uh, Dylan O put up a double double, 12 and 10. And then Jackson Hayes coming off the bench, 11 points, five rebounds, three blocks. Kyle, you watched the game pretty closely. What did you see that the team is doing well? What did you see the team is doing not so well? And what do they need to do to, to tighten up uh, moving forward for this season? Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple things that stood out. They they really had a tale of two halves. I think they shot, you know, under under 40% for the game, but really they shot 55% from the second half. Um, so after a really cold start and only being up by one, um, they were able to get it going. Um, Elijah Long came off the bench and was like a spark plug, really got them going. But they, they started you know doing what they do best. They started attacking the basket, not settling for threes. They were 25% from behind the arc again. I think um, teams will figure out that if you play a zone against them, they're not really going to drain and beat threes right now. And it's not bad looks. They're open. They're just not going in. So I don't know how you coach for that. When you, you run your offense, get your open look have even your guys who are historically pretty good shooters uh, like Febris and, and Roach and just can't get those to drop. That's tough. Um, one thing that it took them all of this game to realize is 
They got some big guys, some really talented. I mean, I think Jackson Hayes uh, looks incredible. Jericho Sims didn't have his best night, but you know, with those two guys, you have some hyper athletic bigs. Um, they need to realize and kind of figure out how they're going to utilize that. Um, and really, you know, they have something that not a lot of teams in the country do, where they can throw an alley oop almost any play, and they have guys, you know, your Lob City, DeAndre Jordan, Tyson Chandler, you know even Amari Stoudemire off that Steve Nash. Like, you, you you have some guys who can just go up and put the ball in the hole if you put it near the rim. So uh, we'll see how they – they had six dunks, I think, tonight. We'll see how that average plays out over the season. Um, but Kerwin Roach is having himself a good game, and, and now Dylan O seems to be getting it going with back-to-back double-doubles. So um, I'm excited, and, and I've been telling everyone, if you read my article over on Barking Carnival recapping this one, um, the next game on Friday might be the most fun game that the Longhorns play all season. They're taking on the Citadel. Uh, to Frank Irwin Center on Friday in the Citadel. The last three years has had um, the adjusted pace rankings. They've been second, second, and first. So they just absolutely get out and run. They're not especially good, but they are very, very fast. You're fast break, they're going to give up fast breaks, and they're going to have fast breaks. So I think, you know, again, going back to it, having hyper-athletic bigs who like to run the floor and put the ball in the hole, it could be very, very fun on both ends of the court. So um, I'm really excited to watch that one. I will be in New Orleans, so I'm not covering that one, but I will be uh, trying to, to, to watch most of it if possible from there. But uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's a fun couple games because on Thanksgiving Day after that, they take on the Tar Heels of North Carolina. So some uh, some fun basketball coming up, uh, coming up for the Horns. Some big recruiting news for Texas basketball as well. Picked up a guy in their backyard, five-star center Will Baker out of Westlake High School. Chose the Longhorns, which he was trending Texas, but you never want to put all your eggs in the basket of an 18-year-old's decision. I'm just being real. I've worked with teenagers for a long time now. So, um, but yeah, that's a huge pickup. He's a five-star guy, massive presence. He's probably going to be a one-and-done guy, and he will be inking on Wednesday. That's basketball signing day. Look out for some more coverage. Women, the women are in action as well. A 2-0 and start to the season. They uh, just absolutely blasted Duquesne. I, whew, 78-41, to like that's... That is a JV varsity scrimmage if I've ever seen it. Uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, LaShawn Higgins, 20 points, four assists, four boards. Uh, Destiny Littleton, 15 points, hit three from beyond the arc. And Jatari White, seven, uh, 10 points and 10 rebounds, a double-double trying to do. Uh, trying to up one-up Dylan O, which I'm always excited to see. <laughs> and then they, t- uh, again, on Monday night, came away with a 65-54 to win over North Texas up in Denton. Higgins, again, surprise, surprise, leading scorer, 20 points, five boards, five assists. Jada Underwood made her mark, 14 and 10. And then, again, Jatari White trying to keep pace with Dylan O, back-to-back double-doubles, 11 points, 11 boards. Kyle, we're a women's basketball podcast. We are. We are. So what what have you seen from the ladies so far that you like, and what do you want to see from them moving forward? Well, I like what you just said when you were, when you were recapping there, and you, you're talking about Jatari White. She had 10-10. and 10. The next game she had 11-11, and 11. presumably um, against McNeese State. She'll have 13-13. and 13. So I'm excited by the end of the season for her, like, 38-38 games if she just incrementally increases these. But 11 is the key number right now because the women are number 11 in the country. And I think after a 2-0 start, if they can kind of keep it rolling against McNeese and, and really uh, do what they need to do out of conference, that number should keep shrinking and they should get into the single digits, into that top 10 pretty soon. Um, so I'm excited to see them. But I think um, they have a pretty, pretty loaded team they have scores um you know across the board where they you know anytime in the college game men's or women's where you're having three four uh players in, in double digits you're, you're you're gonna be pretty good on the offensive side of the ball so i think continuing to play the defense they're playing and just finding the scores each night uh i think they're gonna be in pretty good shape it's it's gonna be interesting to see this team progress um i i'm just i love watching this women's basketball team they're so much fun to watch like there's always fun and what what the coaching staff is doing is uh, it's just incredible. So, yeah, let's keep it up, ladies. Good work. Uh, so the last thing we're going to do before bang the drum, uh, we encourage you guys last week to send us some some feedback and, and questions on Twitter. We're pretty active on Twitter. And so we got a, a Twitter question uh, this week. And so we're going to discuss it. Uh, but I got to give you a little bit of backstory. So um, over the weekend, 
we got a little bit of uh, of, of Twitter um, emoji ship if you will, <laughs> that has become the talk of the message boards. Uh, so there's been a lot of positive commentary about Brew McCoy, Kyle's favorite player in this class. Um, apparently his mom is absolutely in love with Texas, says Texas checks all the boxes. She's fine with him moving from Cali over to Texas. And then on Sunday, 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 uh, Texas commit to Gabriel Blo- uh, Floyd. It's a four-star linebacker out of Westlake Village, California. Uh, he had a bit of a Twitter moment with old Brian Carrington, the shish master himself. So here's the tweet from DeGabriel Floyd. A, me and my mans at B Carrington UT got us another one. Shish emoji, laughing, crying emoji. Carrington retweeted it and then tweeted a handshake and an exclamation point emoji with it as well in rapid succession. So because this is the world in which we live, (laughs) we break down and analyze what the emojis mean in relation to players. So a lot of people, the scuttlebutt now is that Brew McCoy has officially become a silent commit. He's not announcing until January, but the silent commitment is in. So the question we got from Chris Ray on Twitter is if Brew is a silent commit, is there any chance he plays linebacker? Seems like this class is full of wide receivers. Maybe they give him a chance to play both sides. So Kyle, you and I have talked to Brew McCoy quite a bit, and we'll dive into more in our National Signing Day coverage. We'll probably do a couple of uh, shows around National Signing Day, uh, get some preview, get some recap stuff. But Kyle, we'll, we'll hit on it briefly. What do you see from Brew McCoy? He's He plays primarily wide receiver, but he also plays linebacker for modern day. So wh- what's your what's your read on the situation? Well, I'm going to step back for one second, just back to your coverage. You you broke down those emojis so beautifully, I had to look it up on IMDb. Uh, The Emoji Movie of 2017 has but 3.2 out of 10 uh, stars. I guarantee you, if the plot was what you just described it, it would be at least four or five stars. And speaking of five stars, Rue McCoy is a uh, unbelievable, (laughs) thank you, unbelievable talent that I have been touting for a long time that... Texas is only as good as many McCoys as we have on the roster. <laughs> Wherever Brew wants to play, he's going to be good. I think he plays more of a little bit of safety. Um, he he comes up to the line. He's that talented that he can play a little bit. As I understand, he plays a lot of safety for Mater Day as well. Kind of like an Urlacher situation where is he a linebacker, is he a safety? Just put him in there and let him hit people. Um, and so I think he has that type of role. And we, we've seen that a little bit with Overshone um, this year. Some of our bigger safeties, because you're correct um, to say or the, the uh at Chris Rady too is correct to say we got a ton of line, a uh, ton of receivers in this class. We have you know some talent here. If we keep all of those and bring in this talent, then you know where does everyone fit there? We have a ton of defensive backs as well. But you saw a decimated defensive backfield, um, you know, on Saturday. Uh, so yeah, I think there is a chance. I mean, we we had guys in this class who could play either way. You don't want to just kind of throw them in. You, you're going to probably prepare them if they're going to play both both ways. But um, I could certainly see that linebacking class if we have overshone playing kind of that some of that light or you know we play hybrid type roles I could absolutely see him slotting in you know somewhere around eight yards seven yards uh from the line of scrimmage whether that's a pure linebacking spot or takes on some of the linebacking responsibilities I could absolutely absolutely see him slotting in there um you know if if Herman sees that need and sees at least for one year the uh, the ability to uh to fill a gap and get him on the field as quick as possible and he he's like you said he's talented enough to play basically anywhere where you slot him if it's whatever but the most important positions on this defense are the linebackers and safeties mm-hmm. like in in this scheme your linebackers have to be incredibly sound and your safeties have to be incredibly sound and there are there's a lot of young potential at safety and Texas is honestly a little thin at linebacker They've had to try to kind of bridge the gap with some Juco guys. It looks like they may have to do so again this year. So if you've got a guy with with this quickness of Brew McCoy um, and he's willing to play linebacker, I don't see why they don't. Like It, it would make a ton of sense uh, to fill him at a thin position because Tom Herman says he wants us to be a defensive team. And because I was born to be a football coach in the 1950s, I want my best, best athletes on defense. I just do. Granted, that's probably not how the Big 12 plays at this point, but if you have your best athletes on defense, 
you can still play Big 12 offense and you only have to score on six, on four year possessions instead of seven. Yeah, I mean, get the best guys on the field always, whether they're freshmen, whether they're seniors, whether they're, you know, hand in the dirt guys or they stand up, whether they, you know, played running back and now they're playing receiver. Whatever it is, switch them around. We'll, we'll, we'll do the coaching. We have a good enough staff. I have confidence. They're well-paid, well-positioned uh, you know, to do that. Get the best guys and get them on the field. It's simple. It, it seems so simple. Uh, they should pay us. But now <laughs> it's the time of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Huh, so I had a couple different nuggets and I'm going to bang the drum on even though this is a week chock full of actual action uh, on the field that there's some really fun and interesting stuff going on outside of it as well now I referenced earlier the uh, the Chris Del Conte he he came to this press conference to say fake news that he was escorted off the field it was reported that he was he may be left whatever whatever I just think it was uh, kind of a funny start to the uh, to the time off the field. I'm not going to dive too deeply into it, but speaking of fake news, the the former Texas nemesis, who we don't like to give credence by even saying his name, um, but a not particularly great human being who um, used to be affiliated with our head coach, uh, former, or I guess currently unemployed, um, unemployable uh, coach uh, from Ohio State, had some things to say and created the newest Texas uh, slogan. Okay, cool. Hook him, which... Everyone, just Google that. Go find your sources for that. It's 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 a joy to see. Um, that is exactly how you stay above the fray. Del Conte laughed it off. Uh, Herman didn't dignify the dirt; just brushed it off. Um, and 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 the final one um, that that I loved was towards the end of the game, and it's been interpreted a few ways on Twitter. But I'm going with my childhood, uh, Malcolm Malcolm Roach, uh, you know, who's come back from injury and and played this year and and uh, saw a tackle that pretty much wrapped the game up. Um, they were trying to kind of run the clock down, but it was the tackle that was going to be the last big tackle of the game. Um, he was right there behind, I believe, I believe a man who put him down, um, and then kind of made a sign and fell on his back. Um, I think. He was auditioning for the the DX. I mean, I've always said Brecken Hager is a perfect WWE superstar. I think yeah. I think Malcolm Roach made his own audition with what was a um, Degeneration X potentially sign before a uh, falling on his back, um, you know, life uh, life out of him motion that was uh, very very gifable. Um, and I think uh, <laughs> I think everything about this week has been take it with a grain of salt, enjoy it. You are currently the number 13 ranked team in the AP polls, which is nuts um, on a wild season that's been up and it's been down. But just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy that we're here. Whatever comes next, like just enjoy it. Think where we were, you know, a couple years ago and where we're at now. This is the good stuff. It's it's okay to laugh. It's okay to have a good time. We don't have to take this stuff so, 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 so seriously. Uh, we can enjoy ourselves a little bit. Uh, a little bit while we do it. So that that's my bang the drum. Is just uh, hang loose out there, guys. You see the people that we talk about on a weekly basis doing it. So y'all do the same. Just uh, just be easy, homies. Have a good time. And I the the, the other cool thing with the the okay cool hookem. Um, Byron Vaughn's mother is selling some merch right now, and it it seems like an NCAA violation waiting to happen, but what she's doing, uh, she's actually taking all the proceeds from that, and she's donating it to a uh, a charity that helps women in domestic violence situations in the Dallas area, so if, you, um, if you're interested in buying a really funny hoodie and uh, supporting an incredible cause, uh, check her out at Mother Hustler, which is just also incredible. <laughs> uh, so my bang the drum this week is one of the one of the interesting stats from this weekend, Lil Jordan Humphrey obviously had an incredible game, uh, and this is was back to back hundred yard games for him. And come to find out that this back to back hundred yard game performance is the first time that Texas has had a receiver with back to back hundred yard games since Money Mike Davis in twenty twelve. Six seasons without a back-to-back 100-yard receiver. And then I sit here and try to figure out, like, how does a guy like Marquise Goodwin not have back-to-back 100-yard games? Like, Colin Johnson's been around for a couple of years. How does he not have a couple 100-yard games? Like, but it's, it's, 
And then I started, the well started to dry up pretty quickly about guys that would be in that era of, of hundred yard receivers. And I'm like, has Texas not had a big time receiver in 74 games, like six seasons? Like it's just hard to, hard to fathom that a school that produced Roy Williams and produced both of the Shipleys and produced Lima Swede and all these, I could rattle off name after name after name that they haven't had a hundred yard receiver in their back to back hundred yard receivers in 74 games. It's just crazy to me. And I'm excited to see um, this, this last receiving uh, class of receivers, you know, if, Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey, one or both of them decide to come back their senior year. Hopefully this will continue. There are a ton of incredible receivers in the 2019 recruiting class. So hopefully there's not a 74 game drought, a six year drought between hundred yard receivers, but I'm banging the drum on consistency at high levels from the receivers. Yeah, and, and uh, that is uh, the Joe Ruiz bang the drum. Um, we both yes, bang the drum. It. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. It's That's late. Right. That's night. I get it. I get it. But no, I, I just want to point out that as good as the, you know Colin Johnson is this season, Lil Jordan Humphrey and his back to back efforts. Some of the guys you know we, we've talked about here. You're only as good as the guy throwing you the ball. So you know it's as as we gave the praise to bring it circle to where we started this this podcast off. Uh, with Sam Ellinger as your quarterback, you might just see a few more hundred yard games going around for the next couple years. So uh, we're we're in a good spot. So yeah, I'm feeling feeling good about that, that. That this will not be the last. Again, I was banging the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. But that's all the time we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. You can find uh, the Texas Pregamer. At uh, at Texas Pregamer on Twitter and over at Barking Carnival. Took a week off. Uh, it'll be back this week. Uh, you can also find uh, my coverage of Longhorn Basketball over at Barking Carnival. So uh, check that out um, at Kyle Carpenter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Tweet at us like our friend Chris Ray did. You can tweet at us at Longhorn Pod. Give us your feedback on the bang the drum like Will Rose. Will Rose shot us an email and had a conversation about the coaching staff and firing coaches too quickly. And I agree that the trigger is often pulled too quickly. So thank you so much. You can email us at longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Okay, cool. Hook them. Hook them.